Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. It is Sunday, January 8th, 2023, and we are enjoying a beautiful, crispy winter Israel over here in Har Havron. I actually just, just now um, returned from the Dead Sea. I was there today to deliver, believe it or not, some luggage to a friend of mine who was flying in. And, you know, it's pretty amazing. Um, I got a request to do this today at like, you know, nine in the morning. And uh, my husband and I jumped in the car and went down there at like 11. And we spent a couple hours there. And uh, now here I am. And it's like summer there. Um, it was 28, 30 degrees. That's in in um, Fahrenheit, maybe something like 74. And, you know, I went in the water and pretty deserted. But the Dead Sea is beautiful, and it is so serene and so empty and just so clean and quiet. And it's just so amazing that wherever you live in Israel, and I think this is true, wherever you live in Israel, you can always go somewhere unique and special. And um, some places have more difficult winters than others. And if you're in the mountains like I am or in Jerusalem, it could be cold and wet and, and hard. So you know, we're all like just an hour or an hour and a half away from the Dead Sea. Um, we're three hours away from Eilat. We went to Eilat last week. Um, and you can do that. You don't have to fly. You don't have to make this big production about it. You can go for two nights. It's not a big deal. You can do a hotel. You can do Airbnb. You can do a hostel. Some people tent. Um, and it's it's amazing. And it's one of the best parts of, of living in Israel because it's a little country with everything. And uh, I was I was I was wondering to Jordan, I said to him, like, wow, you know, I don't think we would do this if we were living in the States. We wouldn't go away for the day. We wouldn't do a day trip. And he agreed with me. And I I said to him, why didn't we? Why wouldn't we? And then I realized, oh, because you can't go to a warm climate by car. You have to fly. And people go down to Florida or they go down to Mexico. And that's a week or two weeks. It's a big deal. It's a big reservation. But here, it's it's very, very easy and it's very doable. And um, it's it's great. It's one of the perks, one of the best parts of living here. Um, our guest today is going to tell us a very interesting conversation um, he and his wife have been having. I, I was I was called about a week ago by um, this guest's wife. Now, he was on the show a while ago. His name is Kevin Clagg. He goes by Tzvi now. And his wife asked me what I thought of this conversation she had been having with family, with, with friends of theirs that are still in the States. And really what she showed me was a bunch of screenshots of conversation she has been having with friends of theirs, trying, trying to convince them to move to Israel. And all the arguments. I've never, I, I could not believe what I saw. I could not believe that the detail and the pushback she was getting from these friends of hers. And after reading it for, you know, seven screens or something, I said to her, they just don't want to come. Um, Kevin, welcome to the show. Tzvi, I apologize. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Natalie. Good to be back. Um, great. So why don't you just refresh 
me and our listeners on your alias status, when you came, why you came, and where you came from. Sure. We came from Hollywood, Florida. We had uh, five kids at the time, and we sold our house, quit our jobs in July and August of 2021 in the middle of COVID. And we landed, we had a baby, we had a bar mitzvah, and we've been growing our we've been growing our businesses here and uh we're here on the other side now. Okay. Well that's that's great. That's all sounds like roses and rainbows. Um <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, that's good. You've you've the right attitude and maybe you had things in place or maybe you just had faith. Um but these friends of yours don't sound like they have any reason to leave. I, I read what they wrote. We do learning here. We have a great community here. We have a, a lot with the learning. A lot of it was like, oh, we have time to learn. Um, so tell me what what you uh, what what the takeaway, or I guess if you can summarize the issues of uh, the back and forth between that family and you. Well, since since we've moved, we've had you know a few friends uh, interested in making Aliyah, and it's it's really a it's really a spectrum of people and, and where they are in the move. So mm-hmm. some people, you had friends, they made the decision. And three weeks later, they made it. They made Aliyah. They switched jobs. They found the schools. They moved from their houses. Just amazing. They just took the first step and Hashem helped them come through. We have other friends. They've been researching for years and they <laughs> right. finally they finally made the decision. And mm-hmm. we, we helped host them. They, they were here for a couple of weeks and, and they really saw how the Israel that they lived in maybe 15, 20 years ago was much different from the Israel today. And then the friends we're talking about now, they just haven't been able to make that decision. There's, you know, this kind of intellectual block in actually deciding whether or not they should even be in Israel. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) we, I mean, just growing up in America, we, I, I felt similar things. I mean, when you, when you pray and you say, uh, everyone should be gathered from the four corners of the earth. Are you really praying for it? Do you want to go? Would you go? And it's it's a hard question for people. Would you really go if you could? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think it's a question that people ask. I think it's some. I think it's words they're saying. They're not really meaning. There's no meaning there. After time, you know, they're just saying it by rote. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a big problem in a lot of the American communities that the the mitzvah of Israel and the idea of Israel, it's really, it's, it's not a top priority. And sometimes it's not even a topic. It's not even a topic of conversation. And these communities have obviously uh, a bias that they want to keep their congregants. And if they really sell the mitzvah of Israel, well, they're going to lose everybody if they're a good salesman. Right. So what, so they just don't sell it. They ignore it. Is that what you're saying? It's just not a topic at all? I mean, I, I think in some communities, it's in fact discouraged based on you know old information. I, we used to hear, oh, you move with your kids, you move with older kids above eight years old, and the kids will just go you know off the derrick. They're, they'll lose their Yiddish kite. But now that we're here, and even in the past five, 10 years, we, the, really the, the reality here has changed. And Kids have a lot more options. There's a lot more different school choices. There's a lot more different boxes they can fit into. Mm-hmm. And at least in the past year and a half, our kids and also other Olim, the kids have really been flourishing. And, and there's a lot of great communities 
And uh, if someone's in America, they really have to research the options with current information. Or don't. Um, you know, you, you said something interesting at the beginning. You said you had friends that came three weeks. They were here. And the first thing you said was yeah. they found schools, they found jobs. And all I was thinking, like, what do you mean they found schools? It's not that hard yeah. to find a school. There are schools everywhere. School should not be something you need to research. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are people. Yeah, I, th- I think with older kids, if um, if they're going to have a little more difficulty with the language, uh, sometimes in a, an English speaking school can can help with that transition mm-hmm. emotionally mm-hmm. and uh, you know each kid and, and other friends we have they have kids with special needs so they need those special schools but there's so many options here in in uh, florida we know a lot of friends that if they had a kid with special needs they had to go to public school and that was a real hardship here they have so many resources for kids with special needs it's amazing they're totally integrated into the community mm-hmm. well you're also living in ramat Beit shemesh which is a very good place for people <laughs> um who speak english right i mean Abs- absolutely it's a good place to go. Yeah, it's um, a little hard to learn Hebrew, but uh, okay. So that's that's uh, that's right. That's the challenge. That's, uh, that's my challenge. my kids are almost fluent, so they're getting it in class, and and the parents just have to catch up at this point. Well, I hate to tell you this, but the parents are never going to catch up. <laughs> the kids are going to they're going to they're going to outrun you, and um, they'll be translating your mail and everything, and that's you know that's that's part of being an immigrant as an adult. And, yeah, we do uh, that coming in too, that, yeah. you know, we, we make a, a small sacrifice in, in, you know, in our inability to fully adjust right away. And, and the kid and, and the kids, they're, they're going to be able to um, adjust much more quickly because they're yeah. moving when they're younger. If yeah. we waited for everybody to be older, now they all have that, you know, more difficult and more obstacles with the language. Yeah, well, that's, you know, a sacrifice we all make as adults. And there are those who are willing to make that sacrifice. And there are those who are not. And um, that's a choice we all make. It's just I, I put I, I strongly believe that all of us adults should make that sacrifice because the, the kids will just flourish and grow so much easier if they come when they're young and we'll suffer and we can handle it. You know, we got to just handle it. Um it's not the worst thing in the world to be an immigrant. It's not the worst thing in the world. But, no, we're uh, en- we're enjoying it. It's like a new adventure. You you learn right. lots of new things. You meet lots of different types of people. I mean, yeah. we have um, you know neighbors, and our our kids have classmates from all over the world. So it's it's a great learning experience, and a, and a, this is the best place if you want to grow. There's so many opportunities to grow, and you're not just like stuck in your little bubble and your little routine. That's right. Well, you can be. You can be. Uh, we're, we're not at that point yet. Everything, everything's uh, new. That's very good. Uh, everything's a learning experience. That's good. Um, there are people who come here with, uh, you know, a lot of help with with a sister or a brother or a mother or a father, and they and they pretty much continue on the way they were living before. And if that's gonna get them here and that'll work for them, you know, call a vote for them. That's okay. But um, there's room here for everybody, and there's room here for every kind of lifestyle. And and people. You also said that very interesting. If the people are working off of old information, that's very upsetting to hear. Yeah, because there's um, there's things like this radio show, and there's so many resources out there to really know what's going on on the ground. Yeah, well, it's it's not it's not just old information; it's misinformation, and there are people who close their eyes and don't want to see, and there are people who who do. Um, okay, we got to take a break. We will be back after this short break. Thank you for joining us today. Um, 
We're going to keep you on the air just to see if we have any questions coming in. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We're continuing our talk with Svi Klag, who moved to Israel in 2021 from Hollywood, Florida, lives in Ramat Beit Shemesh, and sounds like he did everything right um, and, has, and has the right attitude and uh, has been having a great time and looks at his Aliyah as an adventure, which is the best way to look at Aliyah. This is the same way I looked at it, and it keeps you um, positive and uh experiencing things. It's, it's really good attitude. I wanted to um, keep Kevin on the air, Svi on the air, because uh, I wanted to tell him a story and all of you can listen in. Okay. I was in a lot, like I told you last week, and I met a woman in the swimming pool and uh, she was from, I think she told me somewhere in, in Canada, maybe Montreal. And um, she said to me, I can't believe how many Arabs are here. And I was like, oh, yeah, tons. And she's like, where did she She said two things. I feel so, so unsafe. And I was like, okay, well, you know, they're not going to do anything to you. And she said, where did they get the money? (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? Where did they get the money? They're rich. (laughs) And she said, well, I didn't know that. I mean, I never saw that. We don't know that. I was like, well, then open your eyes, okay? Because they're rich. Go drive up the Route 60 and just look around. They are living in villas. Who do you think is driving these Range Rovers? It's them. They're not poor. She, like, didn't know what to say. So then she said something like, oh, I guess there are two kinds of Arabs. And I was just annoyed. I was annoyed with her. Um, because our, our when we first met, I, she told me that she has um, like three children in Israel. Two of them are married and they have married English boys. I don't know if she meant British boys or English speaking boys, but that's what she said. English boys. And the third is in a seminary. And these are all girls. And uh, she said her kids don't really speak any Hebrew and they live in this neighborhood and they don't need to. Mm-hmm. And she just gave this little laugh, like, <laughs> you know, like, like how, how nice. And I was like, do you have any plans on moving here? And she's like, well, maybe. And really, she didn't mean it. I mean, it, was, it could not have been clearer. And I, I don't meet people like this. I didn't, I didn't really know what to say. I said to her, well, you know, if you really want to come, you really should come before it's too late. She wasn't like this young woman. She was, you know, in her 50s. And she said something like, oh, well, I had an elderly parent I was taking care of and you know, now he's Nifter, my father's Nifter. So I guess, but she, you know, it's not, it was not a plan. It wasn't on the radar. It was quite obvious. They send their kids here for their gap year. And two of them happen to get married. And um, it's it's just, you know, they come every year. And uh, like the conversation, I had nothing to say to this woman. I was like, kind of disgusted, you know? Like, the, kids were, uh, oh, the kids were planning on staying or going back to Well, she North didn't America. say. I said to her, like, you know, will you be upset if your kids stay here? And she kind of was like, well, they don't know what they're going to do. Oh, you know, whatever they want to do is fine. Um, that didn't upset me so much. She, she said this. She said, oh, the anti-Semitism in Montreal is horrible. <laughs> and I'm like, then get out, woman. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, that's that's what prompted me to say you should get out. And she's like, well, maybe. And it was just like so it was like this ridiculous sing song, mesmer, like memorized um, little little talk she she gives that she probably has been giving her whole life. And she's not alone. There are a lot of people who have this very comfortable religious Jewish life, religious woman, you know, a fancy religious swimsuit, you know, like. I mean, it's just ridiculous. She comes to Jerusalem every year. She stays in this one place. She knows this one neighborhood. She sees her family. And then, I mean, it could be anywhere, you know? It doesn't have to be Israel. This was her first time to Eilat. She started asking me what to do. And um, it was just bizarre. She didn't know the geography, you know? she I was like, you could go by my house on the way home. You could come by Susia. And she's like, where is that exactly? I told her, you know, the southern Hebron Hills. She goes, oh, Hebron, where the Mara Machbala is. I'm like, no, the southern Hebron Hills. It's not Hebron. <laughs> I, like, mm-hmm. I, I started losing my patience, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you've you been coming to Israel every year. You teach your, your kids go to seminary. They go to religious school. And you don't, you don't know where Hebron is. You don't know the map of Israel. She's not alone. I know she's not alone. And Kevin, you know people like this, probably in Hollywood, Florida, the exact same thing. Have you, have you heard of the pitcher plant? No. Pitcher plants are it's a carnivorous plant. It, um, it attracts insects and bugs with a sweet nectar smell, and, and the bugs come in, and they, they think it's going to be a, a sweet paradise, and just before they know it, they're, they're stuck, and there's, there's no escape. And that's, that's really the metaphor of, of outside of Israel. Yeah, but they're not... But they're not suffering there there no, there's yeah, no pain yeah. it's, it's a good time until it's the end right and uh the more you know the more you're setting roots if people, if people can either have a, a plan to come to israel or it's a shake-up and it's like there's not there's not much in between well, that's that's horrible i mean you don't have to come but, here because like, you're running scared like this year, making Aliyah um, from North America, I think there was 3,500 people. Yeah, whereas there. Ukraine and Russia, we had like uh, 2,700, 4, 2700 a lot, a lot. 27,000, 30,000. Mm-hmm. So there they had a shakeup. So you get a lot of people coming. But otherwise, just planning like 3,500 and you put it together with couples, it's like what, you know, 1,400 families. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's I embarrassing. Believe, I just couldn't yeah. believe the numbers. You know, we all thought like after COVID that it would be, you know, an exponential increase. And then just to see it uh, flatlining is, uh, you know, many more people now have the ability to work remotely. Almost every employer is offering hybrid remote options. And when push comes to shove, a lot of these employers, if it's if they're talented workers, they are allowing remote work from wherever you want. And that's mm-hmm. um, friends of ours who are making Aliyah. That's what happened. He mm-hmm. went to his boss. He said, you know, my family, we really want to do this. It's the best thing for our kids. It's the best thing for our future. And he said, you know what? Go ahead. Right. And they're coming and he has his American job. And that's it. That's great. OK, now there are people who are going to have the excuse ready that, oh, I can't uh, I can't do that. There might be there might be. And that's just, uh, you know, say yeah, that's a third. I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're in a service with profession i mean just in my thinking i thought i would have to um just come start pounding the pavement knocking on doors and to get a job but um if if you do prepare you can just think a little more creatively with your profession how it can how can could work online or how it could work here and uh 
you know, start start preparing with those steps. That's what I did. I I quit my big firm job and I worked at a, a smaller firm so I could take on smaller clients. I got a couple of smaller clients on, which which just helped a little bit with the transition. And then, um, you know, once I came, once I took the first steps, uh, so many so many more doors opened. Yeah. You know, once you once you take that first step, once you just start working in the right direction, Hashem really helps. It, it's it's um, true. You're, and you're I so clearly, right. You're so I see yeah. clearly. You're my so friends right. who did it in three weeks. He had mul- the the husband had multiple job offers in three, like just making the decision in three weeks, and wow. saying he's coming. And yeah. then um and then this uh, this friend uh, the his job came through, but definitely. Uh, making plans, networking, thinking about you know opening a website or or just expanding your network. Uh, these these things, you know, Hashem will help if if you open things up in the right direction. You're saying that this comment over and over, and I hope everyone's listening um, and taking it to heart. When you say opening things in the right direction, what you really mean is moving in the right direction. Because once you're right, once you make that decision, I think you told me this in the interview like a year and a half ago, once you made that decision, you told me this, right? Things kind of fell into place. Um, people say this. Yeah, but then, then coming here, they really fell into place. I didn't, yeah. it's, and then it expanded even more and more and more. I mean, just yeah. ending up at the right schools, the right street, yeah. um, meeting the right people. Yeah, it does uh, happen. the right business decisions. And it's just... Uh, it's amazing. We see it for our friends who came too. It's it's just amazing how things open up for everybody. Yeah, yeah. But you, it, yeah, it you is gotta right. just uh, get the apostille on that birth certificate. You know, just those little things. Just yeah, working forward, it, it can have profound, uh, universal, and spiritual effects. Just those yes, small yes. steps. Yes, yes, and it's so true, and it's so upsetting when you meet people who are not doing that. Um, the friend of your wife, this woman I met, and it's, I, I was just going to tell you, you people, all of, all, of you, all of you listening, and I actually told you and your wife, you just can't convince people like this. You you just have to stop. They they don't want to come. There are people, you know, you can't make decisions for people, just like you can't choose someone else's mate, right? They've got to put both feet forward. And all you can do is encourage you can't really convince. You don't want to convince somebody yeah. to have to come. I don't want to have to convince yeah, we anybody just, to We come. just can share our own experience, and they have, they right. have to make their own decision. That's right. That's right. And we, just... we don't normally try to convince people. It's just people that are close friends and who will actually listen to us. Uh, you know, we, we have to give them the information uh, so that they can make a, an informed decision and not a decision based on misinformation. That's right. You are actually now ambassadors, and um, they can rely on you. And that's a very, very important role, especially since what you're telling me is you're getting old information. And if there are communities who are dissuading Aliyah because they want their community to stay, you are even more powerful because you could say, they could say, look, you know, Kevin's there. He's doing it. I talk to him every day, right? You're alive, living proof. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the best you we're can living, do. living testimony of uh, what can be done. Yeah. And you're not alone. You know, my mom used to say, like, why do you have to live there? Is it hard? I'm like, do you think I'm the only one here who made Aliyah mom? (laughs) There are are a couple others, too. We're not alone. We help each other. We find each other. And, you know, you move forward. Um, It's so funny. Moving here, too, we have have so many old friends who are also making Aliyah. And it's like it's almost like a 
an old neighborhood uh, get together from different corners of the U.S. That's great. That's Go how to synagogue and see people from, you know, friends from decades ago from different corners Very of the cool. earth. Very cool. Okay, we're on a break now. I want to thank you. You can take off and go do what you got to do. Thank (laughs) Thank you so so much much. for coming. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Uh, We had to let Speed go, but that was very helpful to hear his point of view. It's always good to have somebody from the old country come on and tell us um, what made them come and how it's worked out for them. And there are a lot of Americans here. There are, I believe, 200,000 Americans here. It's not as many as French. It's not as many as the Russians, but we do exist. And you can find little pockets of English speakers everywhere you go. What he was saying, which is interesting, is it's so international here. What he means is in his little um, neighborhood, which is actually pretty big, it's called Ramat Beit Shemesh, it's up this beautiful hilltop, very, very built up. Um, there are a lot of English speakers. And when, so they're not all American, they're English speakers. So they're from the UK, they're from South Africa, they're from Australia, they're from Canada. A lot of people um, like that who speak English do live there. And they're all kinds of different people. You get Haredim, you get more modern Orthodox, you get, um, you know, yeshiva types. Um, there might be some non religious people there. I don't know. Um, but and also different ages. Like I did a trip recently with Regavim and we went to different areas in Judea and we had a bus stop in Beit Shemesh and we had these older people like, you know, 60s and they have been at Beit Shemesh for years. They they remember when the mall was built. It was very interesting to hear them talk, um, to hear their opinion of things. So those are called Vatikim, the older people who live here. And just like where I live here in Susia, we have the Vatikim. These are the first settlers here. And they've seen the place grow. And this is one of the, I think, more fascinating parts of living in Israel. Um, and I think it happens everywhere, not just a small issue where I, like where I live, but even a city like Beit Shemesh. When you move there and you make your aliyah, you're going to know it as when you landed. And you are going to see it change. You are going to see your neighborhood grow because everywhere here is building and growing. It is nonstop. It's happening in Beersheba, which is a huge city. It's happening in Susia. It's happening in Efrat. It's happening in Beit Shemesh. There are cranes and new neighborhoods all the time going up. And it's a very, very um, positive sign of people coming and moving. And not just coming from abroad, but people are moving in Israel from here to there all the time. People, you know, just like in America, when you get older, you, you sell your house and you move to a smaller place. Same thing happens here. And it's, it's very... Um, it's very, what's what I want to say, positive and it's healthy and it's, you know, intergenerational and, and you can live near your grandchildren when you live, when you live in Israel and you can see them on a regular basis. You can live in the same neighborhood. You know, you never really have to fly. You can do your holidays. You always have your entire family. It is awesome. It is, it is, a, it is the best um, place to live for that reason alone. You're never going to be too far from your family. Um I was going to share some thoughts with you that um, what I, I wrote here, uh, life evolves. And that is what I meant. Like things happen very quickly, not just the building, but also your kids grow up um, very fast. I have two soldiers now and um, 
I have, I think I've told you all, I have my third boy is in his senior year at Yeshiva. He's at Kinor David. He plays electric guitar. That's far away. You know, he comes home only on Shabbat. And my daughter, who's only 15, learns at an agricultural school in the Arava, in the desert. And she comes home only on Shabbat. So I have one boy at home, my bar mitzvah boy, who had his bar mitzvah in October. And he's now looking for yeshivot. And he will probably go far away. He's looking actually at a yeshiva in Eilat, which is three hours away. I will see him once every week, maybe once every two weeks. And, you know, empty house all of a sudden. Um, but they do come home every Thursday. They pile in. And, uh, you know, we all catch up. And it's like having these adult children in a way. And I, I wrote here to myself, life evolves. Be part of it or stay behind. And what I was saying to myself and what I wanted to share with all of you is specifically addressing Aliyah. When you live here and are active and grow your family here and, and you know, you are productive and you, and you shape your life, you're part of a very active, thriving community. Israel is moving. It is breathing. It is so advanced and things move so fast and you become part of it. And, you know, and it's, it's so awesome, you know, to learn new programs or to be part of the news and to know what's going on. And even the world cup, you know, like all these things that are going on here, you're part of it. It's around you. It, it gets in you, whether or not you are interested in it, you, you're part of this evolving, vibrant world. And when you're in the States and your old world, it is true what, what um, Svi said. It's kind of like you're in your bubble and it's slower there. And it may be comfortable, true, but is comfortable always better? And is comfortable always what you want to be? I mean, it's comfortable to be asleep, you know? So um, there might be some growing pains when you move here. And there, like I said, you know, we'll always be immigrants. I will always be weak in Hebrew. I will never have the fluency or the, um, all, what's the word I want to say? Like the authority that I have in English. But, but actions do speak louder than words. And if you are active and you are productive and you accomplish things, big or small, they are noticed. They do get noticed, and if, especially if you're in a small community. Um, and, you know, people do uh, appreciate every effort you make to make Israel move forward, to make Israel better in any way. And I think all of the American and the foreign ingenuity and energy from being in the diaspora and all the things we've learned and picked up can really improve life here in so many ways. And I hope that whoever comes and when you come, you don't pick up bad habits. You keep your own personality and you invest it here and make things better here because we need it. You know, we there are, are things that can be fixed here, you know, um, litter. <laughs> don't get me started, but it is very, very terrible here with the litter. And, um, you know, smoking, they still smoke here all over the place. And, uh, you know, customer service. But, um, you know, we can have an impact and, and we need to have an impact. And yeah, 3,500 Olim from North America is a pretty low number. I don't know if any of you remember, but we started this program 
in 2020, I think it was July, in the hopes and with the with the knowledge that people were coming and so many people were coming, they needed the show to get information. And it didn't happen. We thought 50,000 people were going to come in one year. It just didn't happen. It stayed at its 4,000 level. And um, it's it's disappointing. But, you know, we'll press on and, and just share the good and share the facts with all of you out there. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me, Natalie at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And I will answer all your questions as I always do. I love hearing from all of you. Thank you all for listening. And um, please, uh, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. Have a great week. And those of you coming to Israel, and if you want to come visit me, for sure, reach out. Natalie at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I'll see you here next week. I'll speak to you all next week. Bye-bye. you get the inside news on Israel. At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Morris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.